In today's episode, I talk to a disruptor and amplifier about life. He shares his wisdom surrounding the silver lining, what it means to fail only to get back up, and how happiness is a key to transforming the world. This author and publisher is candid about his opinion that we are all inherent leaders, and the only thing stopping us from creating positive social impact through leadership is fear and choice. Strap yourself in because we're going into a longer-than-usual episode that's full of wisdom, inspiration, and truth. Welcome to Lit, a podcast dedicated to changemakers who want to lead, inspire, or transform the world for the better. My name is Ravi Tour. I'm a straight shooter with a no BS approach. This podcast is meant to be thought-provoking, to get your attention, and mostly, I want to encourage change and movement from folks just like you and me. I'll cover things like world issues, mindset, and theory. So stick around, tune in, and let your mind be the map to your revolution. Welcome to episode 35 of Lit. My name is Ravi Tour, and I'm your host. I am so excited to bring on today's guest. I have Ken Rashawn with me. He is a multifaceted entrepreneur with amazing titles underneath his belt. But the most important thing about this man is he has great humility and is a massive humanitarian. All of his focus goes towards spreading social impact in the world through everything he does. And so today with Ken, I'm going to talk about all sorts of things, his why, what led him to the point of where he is today, leadership, how he and I both feel that everybody's a leader and why we feel that everybody doesn't step up to be a leader. And then we're going to go into his movement, a movement that encourages happiness and spans through every nation and recognizes people for who they are and what they have to offer. Before I go any further, I'm going to let Ken introduce himself and tell us a little bit more about who he is. So Ken, welcome. Tell Lit listeners who you are, where you're from, what you do. Ravi, thank you very much. And uh, thank you for the comment about the humility. I think the first thing I'd say is foremost, I am a proud daddy. I am very, very proud of my son. And he just turned six years old. He was my gift at Father's Day. And I say that because if you really take embrace parenthood, you will realize that you have to become the role model for your future legacy. And you have two legacies in life. You have what you download from your mind and your heart into possibly books or podcasts or TV radio. And then you also have who you raise. And whether it's a, a son or daughter, you are having your, your life downloaded to them so that hopefully they become a future leader. And as I call my son, a game changer. Someone that changes the game, a disruptor for good, right? So that's the first thing. And then the the second thing is I'm an amplifier. I think if uh, you can find out the word that helps identify you, that if there's one superhero talent you have or uh, skill, embrace it and then let it shine in the world. And so amplifying is a very interesting word. It is actually making something louder without distortion. So if I see goodness and I amplify goodness, then I'm not putting my spin on it. It's just getting louder so more people can feel it, experience it, and live it, hopefully. And if you think about it, if uh, amplification can also be truth 
for the bad too. So if let's say a restaurant's really bad and I amplify that it's really bad, they're going to go out of business quicker. So you don't want to actually invite an amplifier to <laughs> you know, a bad service, bad food, or bad speaker, because they're going to change how quickly something good or bad happens. And I think that's really cool because it calls people to actually rise to the occasion when they are knowing they're being amplified. In fact, this is an amplification process right here. You are giving me the opportunity to meet and learn other people. And if I don't have my, my focus, my heart, my mission all in place, then I lose a great opportunity to be amplified for good. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So we've got a disruptor and we got an amplifier. And in that, people are like, well, what does he do? And you do all sorts of things. Like you use those two drivers of yours to literally drive the legacy or the mission. Exactly. And, uh, you know, my mom passed of Alzheimer's. And I think when something really bad happens in your life, you have an opportunity to look for the silver lining. And that one was a tough one because she was my number one fan. And this was 2005. We found out she had dementia. And I didn't even know what Alzheimer's was, quite frankly. I had to look it up. And it's, it's, it's a very scary disease. It's the dehabilitating disconnect of your mind to your soul, basically. You lose your essence. And so my mom went from a person that was an English major, history major. I mean, she wasn't a doctor, okay, but she had a lot of master's degrees. She went to someone that couldn't even communicate. She was down to just, her last words were actually Ken. That was the last word. My uh, dad's name is Ken. I named my son Ken. A lot of people, when they hear his name is Ken, they say, oh, you named him after you? And I go, no, I named him after my dad. My dad is a, an amazing guy. And when he was taking care of my mom, he left the National Security Agency where he had a very you know, high up leadership job because he didn't really trust anyone else to take care of my mom in that, in that state. So he took three years off of his government job took care of her. And I saw, you know, this is commitment. Where am I in this? And so I said to my dad, I'd like to help him. So I became a caretaker for three years. I just did the morning, afternoon, and evening shift, meaning just like an hour or two to make sure he was getting the help. And I found it really a, a very humbling experience to learn how precious life is and how precious your mind is. And I had said since I was like 12, my grandfather was a author. My grandmother was an author. My uncle was an author. And I said, I'm going to be an author one day. And you know, all those years went by and here I am watching my mom. I said, you know, I'm, I could pass just like she is of something. And I never did what I said I was going to do. And so I decided within one year that I was going to become an author. I read a book uh, by Gittimer, uh, Jeffrey Gittimer. And one of the quotes in there was, the five people that you associate with, you become a product of that average. In essence, and so I looked at who I was surrounded with and I did some study. I had a background in science. I uh, taught physics and chemistry and I just was very uh, compelled with what is the variables here? If, if someone, if I hang around with non-smokers, I'm probably a non-smoker. And that was true. I, all five of my close were non-smokers. I was uh, independent. I had two Republicans, one independent and two Democrats. Like it was so interesting. I was looking at my life and I go, I am actually the product of the five. And I said, what's missing is I'm not an author. So I, I fired my five closest friends just temporarily for a year and said, hey, I, I got to get a book done. So I, I found five authors that would accept me as a friend and I hung around with them. And their advice was so simple. You want to hear the advice of how to get a book done? How do you get a book done, Ken? You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And they were so cool. Like they said, this is not that big a deal, Ken. Just start writing and then your book will evolve. And 
I, I guess I'm going to cut to something that's very important to me is that a lot of people don't do a book because of fear and they don't do a book because they don't know if they have a message. And I'm not saying every book is worth doing from a standpoint the world needs it, but every book is needed from a standpoint that you have something to offer somebody. And if you wrote a book just for your son or your daughter, I just finished my sixth book to my son. His birthday was a couple of days ago. He just got this as his birthday present. It's the sixth book. It's funny because it's a wacky title and it gets my son laughing. The Power of P. And of course, he likes the PP, right? So <laughs> The Power of P has the P words that actually have caused me to be, uh, I think, most successful. So the two P words that I associate with most of my success are patience and persistence. And I think that those two words, if you were to actually embrace them and live those two words, you would be unstoppable because you would never be disruptive to someone that's helping you because you'd be patient until that help could actually land. And then you'd be persistent. You wouldn't quit no matter how long it takes. You just are eventually going to make it. And I wouldn't have guessed that at age, I think it was, well, 39, I guess it was, I, I did my first book and it was a catastrophe. I mean, it was a financial disaster. It was it was so ironic. My mom is an English major and had a mastery in it and couldn't really obviously do much. And my dad was a speechwriter <laughs> and he was taking care of my mom. So I lost the two people that could have helped me make sure it wasn't a catastrophe. The writing was good. The message and content was solid, but the grammar, ugh, it, was, it was really embarrassing. I had hired an editor, a professor in Florida, and they they muffed it. They charged me like $1,000 and they made it actually worse than I think it could have been. <laughs> and so you have to watch who you trust with your words and your voice. They altered my voice so bad that I showed it to people and they said, that's not even you anymore. So I had, I had to rewrite my book again. Like that's so painful. You write it once and then you have to write again because you lost the voice because the editor. Then I sent it back to him and I think he just said, you know what? He's already paid me what I was supposed to do. I'm just going to say it's done. And I printed it and I've had people saying, man, you got a lot of errors in this book. And I spent 20000 on this book just so we're clear. This was not like a little $500 uh, test run through Kindle or you know Amazon. So at that point, I was sitting with uh, something like 20 boxes in my uh, my garage, full color books, 43 glaring errors in it, uh, an embarrassment to my mom and dad who were so educated. And I said, am I quitting? Did I just do this book? And it's a check off and I'm done with it. And I just couldn't, I couldn't swallow that pill. And so I said, what's it going to cost to do it right? And I went to people that were educated. I said, hey, can you tell me all the errors? I'll give you credit as the editor. So that part saved me money because I had people that did that part for free. But to reissue the book was about three or $4,000. And I had already put 20 on credit card. I didn't know we were going to go such a tangent on this, but it's so important because people don't understand when they're doing a book that the reason they're not going to do it is fear. But then when they actually do the book, all the things that are moving parts that cause the book to actually die. If you look at marketing as the number one reason books die, they light it up on Facebook for a week. They get the Amazon bestseller. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and next thing they know, no one cares. And they sold 100 books and they became an Amazon bestseller. And I don't mean to really put down that Amazon bestseller, but I'll just say that most people I've seen that have Amazon bestsellers, they don't really have that abundance factor you would assume you would get with that title. Yeah, you know? and that's a really <laughs> important part because you're talking about a filterized kind of perspective, right? We all see this and we all go through this. We, we think, oh man, that person wrote a book. That person's life must be jamming. Like it must be amazing. Right. And then you realize when you lift the curtain, it's a whole nother story. And the reason why I think you have so much humility is obviously guys, we had an 
intimate conversation way before this during the prelim stages. And I got to know Ken pretty well. And one of the things we shared in common through that that conversation of humility was that both of our parents, my father also suffers from dementia and is currently with us today. And that is a driving factor in my life, right? A big, big piece, right? And my parents, their health is a big piece, but the humility extends way beyond that. And you've already touched on it a few times, and that is the book. So this book that you spent 20K on, that was, you know, the voice was gone, the tone was gone, the whole nine yards was gone because you handed it off to the so-called experts. You went on, right? So this could have been the thing that ended you. I mean, you have the family struggle, right? The, The hardship within the family that if anybody has experienced dementia in their family ever, you know, you know how, how painful it is and how debilitating it is, not just for the individual suffering it, but all those impacted by the disease itself, right? I think especially the caretakers. That's right. The caretakers get it so hard. And I think this goes for any type of ailment and in a society where ailment is rapid at this point, right? We, nobody can really say one thing is worse than the other. We all just understand and have this compassion that life with, with disease, with suffering is tough. And so to move on from that after getting a, you know, experiencing a setback, such as the book, it can be tough. And you wrote a book about it. And you actually, I was reading the book and you talked very specifically about the book release party. And where you had all these people talking about how they were going to buy the book and rah, rah, Ken, it's going to be awesome. You print the book. You've got all these books and you have 25 sales. It was that high, but that was very nice of you to make it that big. (laughs) I mean, to add a little more humility, I think it was substantially under 20. And I had 11,000 or 12,000 people in in my network and roughly a thousand of them were kind of like, let me know when it's out. Well, that was really the end of it. That's not coded for let me buy it. Yeah. Just let me know what's out. Um, your listeners may not know this because I didn't know it. Um, but and this is kind of a depressing piece, but we'll we'll get off this depression stuff. But it's good to put the realm of what you have to grow from. Yeah. So dementia eventually goes to Alzheimer's, and Alzheimer's is really a slow death disease of the physical and mental uh, ability to sustain itself. And the ending days are, and the reason the person finally passes is their brain can't even tell the mouth to swallow, and at that point. You're, you're gone. And that's really crazy is that you're watching someone just go very, very slowly down to the point that they just shut down. And it's like a computer that just goes down to bare minimum memory and it can't even function anymore. You just can't do anything with it. So when it gets down to one word, that's not the end. The end is actually that you have the brain saying you can still have your heart beat and you can still swallow. And then eventually those things are stopped by the brain. Yeah. It's really crazy. I, I do have the book handy though. I don't want to show this because the book was about becoming the perfect networker, succeeding one connection at a time. And the idea, Ravi, was that if I met you at a networking event, so many people would say, hey, give me your card. Let me tell you how great I am. And this is really not the humility thing. This is the go-giver that I learned about through Bob Berg. Bob Berg said, hey, try to change your life from being a go-getter to a go-giver. And a go-getter is just like always hustling, rushing, rushing, rushing. And if you're a go-giver, you're always contributing to people. And you don't have to work as hard because they actually will say, you know what, that's the kind of person I want to work with. And they just refer you business. I mean, it's a karma thing at the highest level. So I did a go-giver approach for one year. 
And I just focused on meeting three people at a networking event and not a hundred and just find out what I could do for them in 24 hours. And it was just something simple like, Robbie, I know someone that'd be really good for your podcast. Let me connect you with them, you know, and it's done. And then what happens with the two of you is your lives are, you know, enriched in some way, shape or form. And I'm the cause of it. And so I'm probably rewarded twice, obviously, because I did something different and I caused something. So The Go-Giver by Bob Berg is one of the best books I could recommend just out of the get-go of changing your mentality from what am I trying to get in life to what am I trying to give and contribute in life. Absolutely. And, you know, that's really funny because it, it goes on the basis of everything. It's like the principled, principled approach that I use, right? It's give give with an open heart, right? Just give, give everything you got to that one person to that. And so this is kind of how I do it actually in my, even in my coaching sessions is the whole point is to give. I don't care that you're paying me. I don't care even if you do pay me. I mean, my bank account might one day, but the reality is right. my (laughs) husband might, somebody might, but at the end of the day, to me, it's about giving what I'm really good at, what I can give and giving it wholeheartedly and I receive so much more and it's not always monetary. It sure. is, you know, the different pieces. For example, you and I, you and I met, right? There was no reason for us to meet and you're a tremendous individual. Toot, toot, right? I just continue to toot your little horn for you. But I mean, blush, blush. <laughs> but you are a pretty remarkable individual. You've definitely got some cool things going on for you. I think that there are a lot of great things about your different approaches to entrepreneurship. That's all great, but it's that connection. It's that human level connection that I thrive most off of. And so when I got that opportunity to speak to you, I didn't realize what doors it would open for me in terms of, God, the wisdom, right? And and you talk a lot about wisdom in a wise way. You don't talk about wisdom per se. You talk about, here's something that didn't work, such as the book. And like you said, I could have stayed in that spot. It could, that's it. It could have been over. I got dying mother. I just failed at the book. It's got 42 or 43 grammatical errors. What the hell? There's like all these books in my garage and I got a 20K bill to fuck. Yeah. You know what I mean? What am I going to do? But I had 20 sales. You had 20 sales. I mean, you had 20 sales, right? And so that's the difference. That's the point. You could have said, no, it's over. It's, that's it. Dreams crushed. You know, you, you wrote the book young, but yet late. So, I mean, at this point, you're, all your life should have been crushed and you have nothing to give and we'd find you at the soup kitchen kind of a deal, right? Eventually, 10 years later, if not five. But you didn't. You wrote about your, your failures, And you wrote very, very clearly, this is exactly what happened. And so let's tell you how not to be here and how to get up when this does happen. And that was the thing that you talked about that really elicited kind of a response from me other than our conversation was that here's a dude who publicly is saying, for experience, let me put me on the map. Let's tell each other, communicate to each other, like you said. The book, writing a book, we all can because it's worth sharing. These are pieces of knowledge, like every other book in a library, right? It's all been about sharing. And so stories have value. Stories teach. Stories give wisdom. And that's what you did. Yeah. And I want to say something about probably a weird humility 
aspect. You know, humor can be a really cool way to get attention. And this is a business book, and it's it's a color business book. But I want to hold this close. Do you see how many copies? Almost okay. So for the listeners, you can't actually <laughs> see this, but on the corner, in red and in white bold writing, almost a hundred copies sold. <laughs> that got me on fifty-five radio shows, and and it was just that ribbon because I when they asked me questions, I could tell they hadn't read the book. You know what? Uh, uh, an interviewer asked when they haven't read the book. What? Uh, how long did it take to do the book? <laughs> <laughs> like there's nothing else to ask, right? <laughs> yeah. So they they would tell me though that the ribbon got their attention. They said you're you're either crazy or you're entertaining. Either way, we want you in the show. So it was it was it was funny that that really c- catastrophic book actually turned into a couple of things. It turned into a publishing company because they said I don't want other people to make this mistake. Two. I decided to wing it and say, you know what? I'm still going to market this book because I still care about it. That's like saying if you were, if you had a child and they had some imperfections, like really big imperfections, they're not my child anymore. So this is my book. And so I ran with it still. And I give this book away still to this day. I, I mean, I still have like a thousand of those books left. And I give them away as door prizes because I got 138 five-star reviews on uh, LinkedIn for this book. Do you know how I got them? Oh. I gave the book to people. And, I, and if they said, hey, I noticed a lot of grammatical errors. Um, I'd say, can you rate me for the content? And they said, sure, it's a great book. I mean, the book's solid as far as content. I can get past the grammaticals. And so the second book I did, uh, same title, but it was a second edition. And I put in, instead of a red bar where it says almost 100 sold, I put a gold bar and it said under a million sold. <laughs> and that, that book did really well. I sold, uh, I went five editions, which means roughly 1,000 of each copy. So I still have a thousand of that original 2000 because I can't sell them in good conscience. So I give those away. Like one wanted, wanted at an event or I give it as a door prize or whatever. That's a cool thing to do with a book. Actually, if you get a book, don't think about it as a $20 book. Think about it as a, a gift you can give to someone that gets to know your heart or, or at least gets to know you better. Yeah. So I, I always gave the book away and I, I did a count one year. It was almost 900 books I gave away that year. And it was the best year of my life. I had more business that year. And it's funny when I meet some people, I say, hey, that looks like a great book. I have a radio show. And they're like, yes, $20. And I said, you will probably not be on my radio show because it's not the right mentality. It's, yeah. I mean, if you're trying to charge media $20, they're probably going to say, who's doing the bigger favor here? So I, I have been perplexed at the scarcity mindset that certain, certain authors have. They're holding that book like, I can't lose this book. Well, the reason you did it is so you could give it away or get it out there. And until you're successful, you should be giving it away because no one actually wants to take your book. I'll tell you the scariest and funniest thing I heard after my book was a c- catastrophe. So I went to m- one of my strongest mentor, um, Mark, and he, uh, he, I said, Mark, I, I really flubbed up here. I should have at least showed you the book. It has so many errors. And he says, Ken, don't worry about it. I was so surprised how quick and gentle he said it. And I said, what do you mean don't worry about it? I spent $20,000 on this book. And he says, Seriously, don't worry about it. And I go, why? He says, no one will read it. <laughs> I, thought that was, I thought that was the funniest thing to hear. And, and I thought about it after a while. I was like, how often do I get books that I read? Like if someone gives you a book and they don't charge you for it, you try to take some time to look at it maybe. But a lot of books, it's like the gift is you're giving time to actually read the author's book. It's funny. It's not the gift that you're getting the book. It's the gift that you're reading the book and talking to the author afterwards and say, that was really great. And you know, it's... Uh, I, I put a, something in the back here. I said, without being biased, I must say that this is the best book I've written. Well, it was my first book, right? And 
And I said, I recommend it without hesitation. This book changed my life. After all, it took a year to write. And that's a lot of time. I said, it's, it doesn't seem fair that it only take you a couple hours to read and uh, with all the work I did. Like that's my, <laughs> that's my opening sentence in the back of the book. So someone's putting their life into their book and they're asking you to take it and read it for an hour. And most people won't spend the time. And I have thousands of books and I do read. I just, I just have to really be diligent about reading the back cover and getting some of the meat of it so I can see that the author really is trying to make a difference to the world and give them a shout out. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that you've hit on a, a number of points here, actually, well, as I'm listening to you, as you've talked about, obviously, patience, uh, perspective, right? And then you've talked about the whole point, the point, and I, I think we have it twisted today, big time. You know, I think we have it really twisted going back to that scarcity mindset is that a lot of us are pursuing the money, right? That's the focus of everybody's life goal. But as you know, and as I know, that's, that's nothing. That's nothing. That comes as quickly as it goes. So, I mean, the reality is, is that is nothing. The point of a book or the point of a podcast show or the point of your radio or your Facebook post or your business or whatever it might be is to create an impact, to provide a solution, to make a difference, whatever that looks like, to provide entertainment, right? And so if we focus on the purpose of what we want versus the byproduct, because money is just a byproduct in a socially constructed world then things really change, don't they? Yes. I, I think the kind of coolest advice I could give your listeners or anyone that was approaching a book is I, uh, I embrace the ice cream approach. And the ice cream approach, if you recall, you know Baskin Robbins? Yeah. Okay. So you go in, there's 31 flavors. Do you know what they taste like? Not all of them, no. No. And most of them you don't. So you, you see a new one, and what do they immediately do? They reach their spoon, pink spoon, they get it, and they hand it to you. Do they charge you for it? No. Nope. So the ice cream approach is if you're such a badass and you have such amazing content, why aren't you giving it away so that the world will do the job for you marketing it? Like most people are the best kept secret, and some are just a secret and they're not the best kept secret. So why don't you create a secret that's worth telling? So when I gave my books away, I'm giving a book away saying, if it's not worth reading, it's not worth giving away, why am I even doing it? And that's really a cool thing. Like some people are doing a book as a business card. And I had someone say something that really kind of jolted me because I, I look at a business card, I mean, a book as a business card until he said this. He says, if you do a book like a business card, you're doing a book like shit. Like you're just, just trying to create something just to have a bigger business card. And I was like, man, that, that hurt. But then I, I kind of qualified it for me. I am giving this instead of a business card, but I'm giving my heart with that business card. Like that is a real piece of me. And if they will take some time, and that's why I make my back cover so uh, like disruptive, like to say it's unfair that I spent a year and you only have to read it. I'm doing that on purpose because I want them to actually think, God, this guy's a little different. Check, let's check him out. My 17th book is my craziest book called The No-Nonsense Nonsense Book. And The No-Nonsense Nonsense Book, I couldn't allow anything to go in here that was sensible. It had to be nonsense. And so... That's quite a rule to say, like, you, if, if this makes sense, then you can't put it in the book. That's weird, right? Yeah. And so to give you an idea, the first quote in here is, have you ever imagined a world with no, no hypothetical questions? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the first thing. And the back says, if you're buying this book to understand how to create abundance, this book is not for you. 
if you're buying this book to understand how to attract the person of your dreams, this book is not for you. If you're buying this book to understand how to learn the meaning of life, this book is definitely not for you. If your life improves in any way after you read this book, it's not the book's fault. Like that's, that's my opening lines for that book because I want people to understand that that is going to be a different experience. And if you're thinking about how much nonsense there is in the world, that's a book to read so you don't take life so seriously. I, I mean, one of my favorite quotes in this book, I, I, I love this. It's in the political section. And we have the, 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 you know, the honor of having Mary, Marion Berry, Mayor Marion Berry from Washington, D.C., in our backyard here. Yeah, he, he passed, but he wrote, outside of the killings, D.C. has one of the lowest crime rates in the country. And he actually said that at the National Press Club on March 24th, 1989. So that it was really said, outside of the killings, D.C. has one of the lowest crime rates. And I love it. I mean, <laughs> that's beautiful. <laughs> so one of the things that's pretty evident with you is that you are ex- you're an extreme disruptor. Like you, you make me, you know, stretch my eyelids a little bit sometimes. And I'm like, oh God. I'll do it back. You know, yeah. like, I can't believe this guy <laughs> just said that, but I can, because, you know, what you're doing is you're really, you're challenging people. And this is where, you know, the bulk of our conversation is going to last because you and I do share the same opinion and values about this one topic, leadership. And you opened your book up with, you believe everybody is a leader. I do. However, however, you believe most people don't act because everybody is afraid. I think that there is a lot of concern that you're not powerful enough to make a difference. And there are two Gandhi quotes uh, that I absolutely love. One is, your life is your message. And I saw um, Scott Stratton, who is, you want to talk about a disruptor. He wrote a book called Unmarketing. Unmarketing. Yeah. And he is one of the most brilliant marketers. And he has on his uh, tattoo on his, on his arm that says, my life is my message. I mean, can you imagine every time he's in a short sleeve shirt, he, he sees his forearm and he's reminded that his life is his message. That's strong. That's going to be a leader. Someone that reads that is going to be a leader because they're committing that and they're declaring it for all to see that my life will be my message. And the other one, which is actually in the front of uh, becoming the perfect networker. And I, I can't believe we're talking about this so much. I actually haven't talked about this book in a long time, but really when you started asking me what made the difference, it was my mom passing in the book that came out of that. And it was a tribute to my mom. So the, the first thing it says, it's got the, the drawing of someone at the top of a mountain. And on the other side, first quote in the, in the book, it says, be the change you want to see in the world. And if you actually stop complaining about how the world is and be the change, you'll actually cause it on some level, at least in your world. Some people actually get so hung up on how can I change the entire planet Earth? You're going to change it because you're going to inspire others to actually get behind you. And that's where the movement comes in later when we talk about it. But I also did something else a a bit crazy and disruptive. I tried to think of what has never been done with a business book before. So most times there's not animation. Most times there's not color. And I have ADD, a lot of people that um, don't get through books, they're bored, and they let the book go down. So I wanted this book to be entertaining and unpredictable at all times. So that's why the ribbon started it off. So do you know what the first page in the book is? You're going to tell me because I'm going to screw I'm it a, up anyways. <laughs> well, no, I, I, I wouldn't expect you to read all the books I sent you. I sent you a lot of them, but it's, it's negative one. Negative one is the first page. And it's because before you start a book, I wanted to address that um, Mr. Excuse is the reason we don't do things. And so the first page, zero, 
is actually chapter zero. So chapter zero, page zero, the quote is, nothing from nothing leaves nothing by Billy Preston. And it's, it's interesting is that we expect something, we put nothing in it, you're going to get nothing out of it. And so the book actually takes that on. Before you even start my book, let's get out of the excuse mode. Let's get out of the negative mindset mode. And let's actually take life on and be the change we want to see in the world, which would be chapter one. So that's a pretty crazy business introduction. Well, and I, and I mean, you hit the nail on the head, especially for me and what I've been preaching to lit for since November of 20, um, what are, 2018. We're in 2019 right now. So 2018. But since November 2018, the whole reason of why I started lit, and y'all know this so clear as day, is because I believe just like Ken and there are others like us out there that believe that each and every one of us has the power, the potential, the patience, the persistence, right? All of that to be able to become a leader because it's already within us. It's just stepping up into that exact position, right? But we're all a leader. We show it in different ways throughout our life every day, day in and day out, but we don't always practice it. And so when it comes to a point of a problem, right? We look at it in two ways. It's a problem. I can't do anything about it. Or it's a problem. It has nothing to do with me. You just leave it there, right? But the reality is, is if we were all solution-focused, solution-focused, there's something different that can happen there. And so for Ken, you've got your own solutions. And for me, I've got my solutions, but all of them intersect at the exact same point, social impact. And they all started with one specific place, ourselves. We can't be the excuses every day. You have to make that change by challenging yourself. And it's ugly because I know you've gone through it and I have too. That's what makes leaders remarkable is when you decide to create that change internally, that mindset shift, you change the mind, you change the byproduct, the emotional byproduct, you change yourself and you Absolutely. There's no way you can't change the world. Yeah. And you brought up so many things for me to, to say back. Uh, I have like five things actually. So Good. I'm going to try, I'm going to try not to say too long on any one of them because they're just quick points. So one point is to put my money where my mouth is. Any book that I've raised up to show on this show, I want to give away as an ebook at least. So anybody that uh, you know connects with you, I will make sure that you have those books. You can send them to them or I'll send them to them. It doesn't matter who. And the second thing is the quote by Henry Ford, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. Well, when we talked about leadership, that's actually the biggest point. If you think you're not a leader, you will actually prove yourself right that you're not. And if you're dumb enough to think that you are a leader, that's the Mark Twain thing is that you could be a fool that actually becomes a great leader because you go through all the challenges, make all the mistakes, and you become this great leader because you get the wisdom and the experience you need to be a great leader. And that's what I think is most remarkable is a person that takes on leadership is taking on that persistence and that patience is that it's not going to come overnight. You're not going to be this great leader overnight, but just like you become a great writer with time. And a, a second book I'll just interject, Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell, is about spending 10,000 hours becoming the best at something that you want and care about. Amen. So if you want to be a great leader, it doesn't, even though it doesn't come overnight, if you read books, if you just read one hour a week, a leadership book, it would change who you are a year later. I mean, no doubt about it. And then if you started just speaking, taking speaking classes and doing things that leaders need to know how to do, which is to command uh, a platform and to speak to an audience, to enroll them, to inspire them, et cetera. So 
The other little segue is, well, here is a book called uh, Powerful Quotes for uh, in the World for Leaders and Speakers. And this is one I'm showing on purpose because I'd like to give this away. This is a cool book because no matter what you open up to, oh, oh my gosh, you know, I just opened this up. You didn't even, okay, read it, read it. This is so no, hilarious. No, look, do you guys. see it? I do. It? <laughs> this is total happenstance. And this is what I talk about there. There really is no coincidence, wow. but read it out. So I'll, I'll just read a couple. So one is, uh, life is a long lesson in humility. And that's by James Berry. Uh, the next one is, uh, it ain't the heat. It's the humi- humility. <laughs> that's funny. I like that one. And that's Yogi Berra. You remember Yogi Berra? I do. He yeah, he's hilarious. Um, humility is the only true wisdom by which we prepare our, our minds for all the possible changes of life. And that's George uh, Arliss. I should have my glasses on, which I don't own. I think I need to get some glasses. Um, the, <laughs> the last segue I'd like to make uh, with regard to this point about leadership and the excuse aspect is this book right here. It's called The Centurion World Traveler. And it's a book about how to get to 100 countries. And I share this book, Ravi, as probably one of my biggest points in your in our conversation. And the reason why is because this book says, the Centurion World Traveler, game, game. That's a very important word in the title. And then knocking out your bucket list. So I declared on one day, I said, you know, I'm going to be 50 in 10 years. And it actually was 11 years. It was age 39. I said there are three things I've not accomplished in my life. At age 39, I said this, I have not had the son that I wanted to be a father to or a child even. I haven't written a book and I haven't traveled as I said I would. And so I made some big deals. I said, I'm going to get to 100 countries before I'm 50. I'm going to do whatever I can, whether it's adopting or whatever, I'm going to be a father and I'm going to do a book, come hell or high water. I thought the hardest would be doing the book. The book was one year later. It was out. It was a disaster, as we know, but it was out. And then the sun was really hard. That was the hardest one. That was, a, that was the final one. Um, just had major challenges. And you want to talk about the gift of life. I mean, that is, that is a wake up of how important life is when you can't have a child and you want one and you're trying, you're trying. And then getting to 100 countries. I wrote this book, first edition when I'd done 33 countries. So I'm talking about how to get to 100 countries. And I, dec- and I say in the book, I say, this is funny to write a book on how to get to 100 countries. I've only been to 33, but it's only been three years, so I'm on pace. Like, <laughs> so, so when I ran out of the books, I only printed like 500 of them. When I ran out of the books, I did the second edition. I said, second edition, I'm at 65 countries, six years, I'm still on pace. Well, obviously, I was very excited at third edition because I said, I did it. I did it. And I want to read the back of this particular uh, book Okay, and this is supposed to go in your pockets. This is kind of, they're both, these are both pocket pieces. So you can just yeah. carry them right in your pocket. So this is a really cool message. Because I had a lot of people say to me, it must be nice to be rich to travel all these countries, right? It must be nice, you know? Or, or, yeah, yeah. And so, and, and then the other one was, you are so lucky, Ken. You oh, are yeah. so lucky. So here's, here's the paragraph that addresses that. My hope is to inspire you to connect with the world. Many of us, including myself, fall into traps of believing we are only able to do so much with the money and time we have. It is a dangerous trap because it becomes our reality. The purpose of this book is to make life a game and you win points the more you play. Pretty cool, huh? Pretty deep. I mean, for me, yeah, it's very deep. For me, even for me, it gets me choked up because I shifted. I, I had been to zero countries at age 39. I mean, that's incredible. Now, I had been to countries as an army brat, but I said, 
as a child, you don't see the world the way you see it as an adult. I mean, from age five versus even 18, it would be a massive difference in how you see the world. Here I am. I hadn't traveled to the world since I was 12. I came to the United States when I was 12. And I was 39. I hadn't been to any countries. And here I was. I love the world. And my, my second book I wrote after Perfect Networker was the hardest book I ever wrote. And had I known it was going to be so hard, I wouldn't have done it. It took eight years. Can you imagine that? That's where patience and persistence kicked in the hardest. So the book is called Making Friends Around the World. It's the first decalingual book. Okay. I actually took 10 languages. I took 10, I took 13 languages to pick the 10 I was going to write in. And so each page in the book is a conversation. Each, each child is saying hello in their language. And it was handwritten by me. And I, and I share that with you because I thought I was going to have a child. I thought that was the easiest one. I said, having a kid? Okay, that's easy. I'm going to write the book. So when he comes out, I'm already teaching him about the world, making friends around the world. Because I had been bullied when I was a kid. I didn't want him to be bullied. And I wanted to deal with bullying as a global thinking type of situation. So the more bullies learn other languages, I had someone say this like a month ago at a mastermind. He says, the way to end discrimination, travel. I love it. Like, think about that. You travel, you are the oddball out. Yeah. And when you're oddball out, you say, wow, they're welcoming me and they're different. Well, and the, it, it opens up your perception because I think we're also, we're in a bubble, right? We all have our own little bubbles, our little community, our, you know, our, our routines, everything that's within the realm of, of who Comfort. we are. And what I've known to expand my horizons is travel. And FYI, I'm not a traveler. I hate flying. Yet everywhere I've gone, I've needed to fly, right? But I hate flying. It's, it's one of the scariest things. We're not going to talk about how I think the plane's going to come crashing down. But that's cool. That's what it is. But every time I've traveled, it has opened my horizons. I've, it's opened my perspective. And I've had an opportunity to really soak in. And each time I've traveled at a later age, right? The older I've been, the more I've absorbed, the more appreciation I have. The more I am the oddball out and I have to not just assimilate, but really connect to be able to assimilate to a new culture, a new background, a new geographical location. And it becomes way more about assimilating. It becomes about connecting and being a part of and grasping more knowledge, opening your awareness, broadening your perspective. And all that shit does so much for you, right? Like everything we've talked about today in this episode so far has been to broaden your impact through broadening your perspective, right? You cannot be that leader. You cannot create that change, even in your own fucking life. You can't do that until you decide, you make that decision, you commit, and then you execute with patience and persistence, and just some other byproducts of the travel, because you, you definitely gave more of, I think, um, a theoretical, I guess, benefits that I would like to yeah. get drilled down a little bit more. Please so do. one of them is when you travel, it costs you money to leave on two levels. One, you're paying for the trip. And two, you're not making money where you were. So there are two negatives right there. So what are the positives? So if you have to travel you still have to pay those bills. Yeah. So what, what's interesting that I found is when you travel, you start thinking differently because you're out of your bubble that you talked about and you get to actually be 
the absentee boss of your company. So your company actually has to run by itself on some level. And the more you can shut your phone off, the more abundant you'll be because you'll cause your company to become automated, passive, um, just all these amazing things, systematized. So the more I traveled, the more three things happened. One is I learned how to pick the right books that I could really take a deep dive in. And I would have new ideas that I would come back with. I would put into my business and it was weird. Let's say I spent $2,500 on the, uh, the trip, just as a, an example. I would come back and I might experience a five or $10,000 increase in my pay because I learned something to get away. To get away, I learned something, I brought it back and I applied it. And in applying it, I had a different life. The second thing is appreciation and gratitude. You can never see enough of the, the darker side. My, my wife will not travel to you know, places that are impoverished because it depresses her too much. And I said, wow, you're missing actually the opportunity to make a difference, in my opinion. And actually, uh, let's talk about difference for a second with regard to two leaders, one that you don't know and one that you do. So if it wasn't for Ashley being on your program, I wouldn't be talking to you. Yeah, big Ashley. shout out to Ashley Cheeks, episode Ashley 18. Cheeks. <laughs> yes, and, and, and it was your first podcast. And um, I had been communicating with her because she's so brilliant at business plans and I didn't have a business plan. I was, and, and you know, you don't have a business plan. You are going to work 10 times harder. So, um, so I was listening to her wisdom on your show and I loved how you conducted your show. I've been on plenty of shows and I liked how you brought your heart and the intellectualism, the nice combination of soul, everything. So I just did a little simple shout out on Facebook. I just said, this, this is a really good show. I really enjoyed it. And if I like a show, I'll just do the check. But in this case, I actually wanted to share it and, and tell people, hey, this is worth checking out. I liked it. And here we are today. So that's one. And if it wasn't for a dude named Captain Lou Edwards, who did the Marketers Cruise, who tracks four or 500 marketers, I wouldn't have met Ashley Cheeks. So it just you got to learn how to make that difference with your, uh, your events you go to and when you travel, how you actually get away from your life to build a better life when you come back. And I, I just can't emphasize that that is the and when there's a third gift. The third gift is when you meet people that travel, they're playing at a different level. Connect with them and learn from them. Say, how did you live so long? How did you create so much abundance? They could tell you one thing. I'll give you an example of one thing they could tell you. They could say, read this book, and this will give you the guidance of what you need to do with your life. And you read the book, and next thing you know, you have... like I, It's so funny. Do you know what people think about with a book? A lot of people. What? This is really a, a little bit of a pet peeve of mine. What it, when people look at the front cover, they say, okay, this cover is compelling. I would check it out. So you have to have a good cover. There's no such thing as there's don't judge a book by its cover. You need a badass cover. If you you totally wrote cover, about this, actually. I tell yeah. you, it's all coming back to me now. And then the second part is they evaluate the price. Yeah. They evaluate the price of the book based on the paper in the book and not what you're going to get out of that paper. So an author may have one page in there that if you did it, you, it would save your, your child or it would, it would 10 times your life, you know, 10 times the abundance of your life. And here we are saying, Ah, this book is $29. Uh, I don't know if it's worth $29. Well, shit. If you read it and you apply it, you could have, be a millionaire in a year, possibly. I mean, it depends what the book's about, right? But I like reading books about vitality right now because what do I want? I want to have more life in my, uh, and more energy in my life for a son who is six years old. And you know, I don't want to be winded. I don't want to be <laughs> an old man with him. So it, you know, books that appeal to me are books that are about vitality. And I'll just share, I have this one right here that's kind of cool. It's called The, the Perfect Net Workout. <laughs> it's, about how the, the, it's about how the body and the, and the gold and the dollars and the heart 
if you don't have that stuff working together, you're actually a lopsided life. You either have too much abundance and you're not spending, you're not enjoying it, or you're in this wonderful health, but you don't actually get to feel abundant. And so crazy. Really- you, you start, you, you touch on balance so much, right? It's all a balance and it's all appreciating what you have as hokey as that sounds. That's exactly what you got to do. That's a mindset you got to come from. That is the perspective you have to have because more is generated that way. And in a, in a time where scarcity is the common mindset of most people, like that's where we're at scarcity of you fucking name it, right? Fill in the blank for yourself. At the end of the day, that's where people are focused. And if that's where you're focused, you miss out on opportunities, massive opportunities. And one of the biggest opportunities that you're talking about is being true to who you are, right? Maintaining that balance and living your truth and showing up as a leader. And having fun doing it, gamify it. That, I think that's the part that people miss is that being a leader is actually enrolling and entertaining. Like if people have fun following you, they're going to bleed for you and you're going to actually cause them to actually enjoy life too. That's the thing. Like why not enjoy life? It's a choice. And that's the thing that's really the coolest thing about life is everything about it is a choice. Whatever you have in your life, you caused it. You chose it. Like if you say you're poor and you need more money, you did things that caused you not to have money. And, and by the way, I am a person that is a victim of it myself. But if I own it, I can change it. If I don't own it, I'm powerless. Yeah. yeah. Like we were talking about me being carless. I was carless. I had a big accident. That big accident, I was so grateful to be alive. That was my whole focus. What happened? I healed quickly because I was so happy. My cells went into hyperaction of repairing. And people so didn't believe crazy. it. It's yeah, so crazy. It is. You actually are, so you've touched on two topics, the last two episodes now, episode 33 and episode 34. 33 is Envir, and Envir talks about seeing a problem, don't bitch about it, create the solution. Create the solution. Be the solution. Figure it out. Figure out the solution. If you can't figure it out, find people who are going to help you and create that solution. And don't give up till you do that, right? Don't let your circumstances beat you. Don't let be, don't be a victim. Don't let the situation say that you are not capable because you are. And then episode 34, we're talking to Michelle Lewis and she's talking about genetics. She's talking about cells. She's talking about how you can manipulate your conditions, and it's possible, Dr. Joe Dispenza talks about it, you're talking about manipulating cells by using your thoughts. There's, this is no secret, you guys. If you can produce happiness as a real kinesthetic feeling in your body, like it's real, it's not some fleeting bullshit, you can change your entire fucking life, period. And, and you can make it worse. You can actually depress yourself to death. So bad. Yeah. And, and I, and I've seen people doing it and, and it's so sad because they don't understand. Like if you say to them, you do know that you can be happy. And they're like, no, I can't. You have no idea what I'm going through. And I, I think pity, like, I, what do I, what can I do for you that can prove it? I don't know what I can do. You have to choose that you want to be happy and then everything else. So the first exercise that your, that your listeners can do is embracing the go-giver mentality. And by the way, when you embrace something, you do it for a year. You don't do it for a week. Yeah. You don't do it for 45 days. You do it for a year because in a year, that's a campaign for your life. Well, the other one is my favorite topic, which uh, if it's okay, we can talk about the Key Smiling Movement. 
we are going to talk about that. So please bring it in. Bring it in. Well, it's it's about shifting and it's about shifting a negative mindset to a positive one. So no matter really which book I pick up, but this particular one says, keep smiling, shift happens. Yeah. And this happens to be, I think it's the 12th or 15th one. And this is by Lynn Sanders and it's, it's leaders in Chicago. So anyone that's going to Chicago, wouldn't it be cool to get Lynn Sanders book of the hundred leaders that lead with their heart, right? But I did this exercise. And when you wake up in the morning, you probably are as positive as you went to bed. Meaning if you go to bed and you say, I'm grateful for these things, you will probably have a lot of subconscious energy going towards a very nice wake up. Yeah. Like if you really want to have a cool, powerful wake up, go to bed with a problem you want to solve and say, how can I powerfully solve this problem? Like use the word powerful. You'll wake up with a solution. Like it's just given to you a gift. And so that's the first advice. But if you don't take that advice and you wake up with not the best mindset, start thinking about what you're grateful for in the morning and shift it because all of a sudden you're having a conversation with the universe that you're ready for more abundance and more gratitude to happen. If you're not grateful, you're actually shunning and saying, I don't want more things to be grateful for. So keep them away. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? So that shift caused all this key smiling movement to propel itself. It was energized just by a shift. And it's funny, but people see the shift happens and they're thinking another word. Yeah. (laughs) Shit happens. But if you don't shift, that's what happens. The other thing. If you don't make a conscious effort at shifting, because it's not going to happen otherwise, because as we've talked about, as I've talked about throughout every episode, different guests, myself, you name it, it's a computer, a brain's a computer. And then you came on, Ken, and this is perfect. You're describing the dementia to Alzheimer's and you're describing the brain basically short-circuiting, right? It's, it's like the 12-year-old computer laptop that should have gone you know, five years ago, but you kept running it, you kept running it. And that last Windows update, you all remember that episode. (laughs) I had had an episode because this happened in real life. But that last episode or that last update, it fried the computer. There was nothing. You couldn't even retrieve anything from the hard drive. And you're like, wow, that's exactly how it is. So what you just described is whatever you think about or whatever you ruminate about, and that's what we're typically used to. Most people ruminate before they go to bed. Your subconscious works on short-term memory, right? There's way too much stimuli, you guys, way too much stimuli every single day. And so when you go to sleep, those are the last thoughts floating in your brain. That is probably what your subconscious is going to soak up. And then when you wake up, you wonder, gee, I wonder why I'm so pissed. Oh, it's probably because you were still thinking last night before you fell asleep about that irritating phone call you had with your mother-in-law. And you're still thinking about that, you know, that deal that didn't go through three days ago, and you're still thinking about that, and you still and you wake up in that exact same state because your subconscious didn't have that opportunity to shut off from that. So now, if you make a conscious effort to change the linguistics, right? Change what you're thinking about because the thoughts are just a form of linguistics, communication to the subconscious, to your mind, to your body, to so forth, to the universe. If you change that, you change your entire outcome. And if you wake up, feeling like shit because you didn't do the work the night before, gratitude, step into it. Because you waking up and taking that breath, opening your eyes, as shitty and crazy as that sounds, yeah, that's the biggest gift you're going to get that day sometimes. And you better be grateful, right? Exactly. Um, you're talking about programming, like your thoughts are programming. And you use the word work. And I, and I actually want to say it's not work. That's the funny thing. Like if you think about it, going to an amusement park, that's not work. So why don't you have an amusement life? 
Like it's actually more work to actually make it the other way. But I want to stop for a second and just say something to you. What? You're awesome. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You are so awesome. You know, um, we're, we're smiling and laughing a lot. You know, that, um, that's the biggest problem that adults have is they don't smile enough. And that gives them this false reality that life is not joy. And when it's not joy, what do they do? They succumb to negative thoughts, which actually propels the reality of it sucks. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. So my newest book coming out, I wish I had it. It comes out like in two weeks. It's my 26th book. It's the only book that actually has research to it. Everything else has been my experiences and me just consulting on a topic, whether it's nonsense. Like I took 17 years of collecting nonsense and I created that book called the No Nonsense Book. Like it's <laughs> nuts, but I, 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 I thought it was so funny how much nonsense there was in the world. Like the, the, and, I, and I'll tell you the one nonsense one I put in for myself because it's kind of a fun, you know, there's no, there's an exception to every rule. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. The, in the nonsense book, I put, if there's an exception to every rule, is there an exception to that rule? Well, what a mind fuck that one is. Isn't <laughs> <it>? <laughs> but you're all about the mind fucks. You are all about the mind fucks. And <laughs> so, I love it. The, so the average um, adult, you want to guess how many times they smile in a day? Average we're talking. Who, given our current political sphere, our current demographic, oh. and, and, and not using us as examples of adults. Okay, so I'd say, damn, I'd like to say ten. I feel like that's low, but I feel like that's it's a little of, low. It's a little twenty low. to forty. Twenty to forty. Twenty to forty. And, yeah, and and here's the here's the here's the big one though. How many times do kids smile in a day? Oh my God, these guys all day long. This is all they do. This is all, it's like, it's a natural state for them. Yeah, so how many do you think? God. God. I couldn't even guess, Ken. I couldn't even. Can we tell you? Yeah, I do want to know. About 400. Wow. And so, if you look at their life, what is it? It's joy. It's pure joy. Yeah, and, and ours is not by choice. And that's the point. So if you get up in the morning and you get in front of the mirror and you actually want to be happier, then start exercising, smiling and think why you love yourself, why you love who you love, how grateful you are that you are loved, how grateful you are of whatever. I mean, it's amazing how many people are not grateful that they have a car. I was without a car for two and a half months. Now, I didn't, wasn't without it because, um, because I didn't have driving uh, necessities. So I had rent-a-cars. I had friends loan me cars, but I was carless from a standpoint. I didn't own a car. And I chose for that almost two months, two and a half month period, not to have that impact my life negatively. I looked at it as, Hey, there's some good things. If I don't have a car right now, then I can think more about what car I want. Yeah. Okay. If I don't have a car right now, I can think more about what's important. What times is it really important for me to drive? Was I driving too much before? Like I, I, I thought about all the things about having a car. And one of the things I got clear of is I didn't want to spend a lot of money on gas anymore because I wanted to be socially conscious. I wanted to speak my, my smile and I want to speak what I believe in as a scientist. We need to take care of our earth. So Tesla became a solution. I thought it was unrealistic until I went on you know, the computer and they showed these crazy prices. And I said, these prices are ridiculously affordable compared to what I heard. And 
that was the old in small print. This is discounted after five years of your tax deductions <laughs> and not buying gas. So it was like $15,000 off. So when you put it all back in and, oh, and you want uh, the AI so that it, you know, it drives itself and stuff. Yeah. It goes from 26,000 to like 50,000. Like it's yeah. not, it's not funny, but it's still, it hung with me that that car made a difference. It made a difference for how I felt. It made a difference for the world. And I said, somehow it's going to work out. And in having that time, I was able to have it work out. And there's a Tesla in my, in my driveway right now. And it's, it's still kind of a pinching situation. And a bank did not uh, give me the loan. I, in doing what I've done with the Keith Smiley movement, just to be completely real, I've invested everything. And things get lopsided when you invest everything in your dream. And um, the movement got me the car. It's weird. The movement caused me not to qualify for the bank loan, but the movement got me the, the car because I reached out and called people and in one day generated half the money for the Tesla, which gave me the ability to negotiate with the, the seller. Hey, if I could, if I did this in one day, would you be open to me taking two months to do the other half? And he was. And, it, and it's the power of a conversation. He wasn't into me having an excuse, but he was into the fact I created a result. Because you were resourceful, but because you were in that mindset, because you had a different perspective, because you were persistent and willing, and you are a persistent little one, right? You're like my editor. You're very, (laughs) you two are very persistent individuals. And I'm like, okay, okay, let's do this. But let's talk about the movement. Let's talk about the movement. Yeah. So this is, it's very interesting. I'm on your show, if I can cut in, because this time that I'm on your show happens to be, I, 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 not downplaying this, this is probably the biggest time of my life. I, I've never been sober this long. I have been sober for 20 days. I haven't had a drink for 20 days. Wow. In fact, when I talked to you, that was just another day where I had a couple of drinks. Now, I was drinking because it actually made me feel at peace. Like I wasn't someone that I felt like I just drank and then lost my mind or I had, you know, the, the drunken thing. I actually just drank because I liked it. I drank a martini or whatever. and. I said, I'm going to do something really big in my life right now. With this Tesla being just handed to me when I asked for it, I'm going to do something really big. And I said, I'm going to do 100 cute smiling books. And since I hadn't even done but 30, and it took three years to do that many, this was kind of crazy. And I said, I'm going to do it by my birthday in August. And you remember when I asked you if you'd do the book and you That's said right. yes? Yes. You, you bought into the power of the movement. And I'm not kidding you. Right now, we're almost at like 95% yeses. And if you think about calling a leader at your level and saying, hey, you create smiles in the world, I would like to honor you by telling your story and actually having it amplified to the world to know that your place, your message is going to give them really good content. It's going to give them inspiration. It's going to cause more smiles for you and for them, right? And we have roughly 60 people that have said they're going to do it. And it only takes an hour or two to do this chapter. And this chapter is probably my biggest gift thus far that I figured out that I can help humanity. And most people that don't do a book, it's because they don't have the, uh, the template, they don't have the system. And I create a template that allows people to actually just download their mind, their heart in roughly an hour to two hours, maybe a little longer, but it's usually an hour or two hours, just to tell their journey. Now think about this. If you have a leader who leads with their heart, they are a secret of inspiration, right? Yeah. But if they get to tell their, their journey, and what's cool is the harder their journey is, like 
one of the parents left or one of the parents died or they were homeless or whatever. It's interesting. That is typically a person that is more resilient and has a way bigger who and gratitude. Like they have life and perspective. Preaching here because Lit knows (laughs) my story and you are preaching. You're preaching. So, So I think my hypothesis as a scientist is that there are two things that cause business to happen. One is that people are inspired by the brand or the person they're buying from. And two, they can see the reviews are proof that the world is okayed and given a stamp of approval that there's integrity with this person that they'll deliver. And it's funny, those two things can be achieved with this Keep Smiling book. You take the first part, which is the story, and you read the story and you go, holy shit, this person went through this. If they can get through this and they're this committed to life and they're that person that has done all these good things for the community, I want to work with them. What are they selling? Then you find out what they're selling is, let's say, insurance or um, cars or whatever. You go to their page in the back of the book and it says, hey, free offer to taste you know, the ice cream approach. Taste. Come out, get a free consult, do a test drive, whatever it is. And you see the reviews and there's 500 five-star reviews. You're like, done. If I need this service, that's who I'm buying and that there's nothing holding me back. Because price is not the issue. No, not the I, issue anymore. I think you actually hit a massive piece there that we're only going to be able to briefly touch on. But for anybody who's been dedicated to lit this long, you know, 35 episodes in, you know, this is the theme. And that is that the generations that are now controlling the market ship, that are controlling buyer behavior, that are controlling how we go about what's going to be innovated, what, what's going to happen. Those are the millennials and the Gen Xs. Those are the ones that are doing it. And those, those two groups of, of generations, those ones are socially conscious, right? They expect responsibility. So if you're starting with a movement that's based on happiness, producing inspiration in the world, you already know that you've, you've solved half of the problem. Yes, yeah, so this template is it's a quick one-page template. You just fill it in. And it tell, you tell your who, so it's from birth to now and what you had to overcome to become the who that you are. And the more you had to go through, the bigger your who typically is. The bigger your who is, the bigger your why will be. Yeah. Because it matters now that you were given the gift of success. It matters that you struggled and you got through it. Now you have a bigger reason to actually not just give back, but to embrace every day. So your awesome. why is huge. And then the last one is the how. Can you show how you create abundance for the people you encounter? Can you show that you solve problems? Can you show that you inspire hope? And hope is the biggest thing people want to buy. That's the biggest thing they want to buy. So if you can show in your reviews that you provide hope, like no matter what you're, if you have a leaky roof and you have the dude that's going to, or the, the company that's going to come out and fix that roof, the hope is that you don't have that problem anymore. And the more hope you have, the more abundance you have, the more abundance you have, the more smiles you have. And it's all, doesn't matter which order you put that in. Um, you're talking about social proof, by the way. Yeah, so, exactly. So social proof, an actionable business journal. And a gentleman uh, named Mitchell Levy, I met him at a mastermind. And he has a, a book called AHA, Think AHA. Mm-hmm. And he actually interviews you for a couple hours. And he took my number one topic that I'd never written about, which was what we just talked about, social proof. Yeah. If, if you are telling the world that you're great and no one else is, you're not going to sell anything. 100%. If you don't have to say a word and the world says, this is great. That's why I say, give your books away because get the world talking about you. <laughs> you know, it's, it's very, very important. So I, I, I'm so happy you're going to do your story because 
it is going to be really amazing how this key smiling movement propels your program because it's high quality. You bring it. I mean, I have never met anyone that actually does so much research and such a preparation for a show. You really, you have one of the best shows I've ever No, heard. man. I appreciate that because this shit means the world to me that, you know, I, I joke about it, but lit y'all lit is zero dollar revenue. It produces nothing. It produ- actually, it, it produces costs everything. Me. It costs me money to produce a show, right? Like I'm out of pocket every, every month I'm out of pocket, but it's my fucking passion. This is it. If I can spread an ideology of change, of inspiration, of encouragement. Yeah, so I had someone correct me yesterday. I told, I told them I didn't have money for uh, planes and hotels to go to a, I think it was the ESPYs or something like that, or it was Oscars. And he says, no, you, you have it. Don't, don't even say those words. So don't say this doesn't make me money. This makes you everything. It makes me everything. It does make you everything because you're happy. We're connected. The world is, is actually the world that is hearing it, which is only gonna get bigger. Yeah, is going to shift, is going to shift and actually be more abundant and have you to thank. And that abundance comes in so many other ways. So I, I made the mistake just yesterday and we all have to be clear that when we say something, it sometimes is bad programming. And And it's true. And we all have it. Like, listen, I'm a coach who works on people and I can be objective all day long, discerning with other people's shit all day long. You like put me on that clicker and let me do my work. When it comes to myself, and I, th- I think you're, you're explaining this even for yourself, our objectivity for ourselves gets a little tricky, right? It right. Gets, it's hard to navigate all that sometimes, right? And so as you evolve, this is just an evolutionary piece to you, right? You evolve so many times over again. And just like me, just like Ken, there's always a little bit more programming. You've got to just... Tweak. I got one for you. What is it? I got a minute. I got a little mini epiphany because it just happened yesterday. And then when you said that, it caused my brain to kind of go into what does this mean? Yeah. So let's check this out. This is brand new. It's it's kind of going in. You heard it here first, folks. Amen. You ready for this? Yeah. You're as flush as you feel. So someone's flush typically has a lot of money, right? Yeah. So you're as flush as you feel. So if you don't feel like you have any money, you feel unflush. You feel like you can't move. You feel, and then you actually prove it. But if you feel flush. What happens? You attract the business that's going to go with flush. It's crazy. You attract the and 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 even if you weren't, you feel it. So you actually are enjoying life, which is not that bad, is it? <laughs> oh my god! You guys, wait till episode thirty-six. I don't break the shit down like nobody's business because we don't even have that <laughs> much time to deal with this because we've been talking so much. But this is powerful, powerful, powerful stuff, right? Like it's basic basic truths to living universal principles that we're talking about and that's mm-hmm. that's the basic basic piece of it right you got to be happy you got to be able to elicit that from in, inside and you got to feel it like not just like i'm happy you got to fucking feel it right you got to feel it and when you feel it even when you got to fake it a little bit to feel it you can't help but feel it you spread that and when you spread it it gets spread some more and more comes to you and you give more and more comes to you. And that's exactly what this, we keep smiling. Can I make, can I make a modification? Just yeah, so that uh, it, it's, just keep it's fucking with my words today. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, um, no, I'm, I'm really getting clear that we use some words and they can yeah. be dangerous. So the word fake, it hit me because that's not what you're actually doing. You're perceiving. Yeah. So what you perceive becomes your reality. When you fake it, it's actually out of congruency or out of integrity. So we're not faking anything. 
we're committed to a reality that we have to perceive initially, and it becomes that reality. God is so beautiful. That's so wise. This is why you are who you are, and I am. I'm still learning, and I love it. I love it. I love hey, it. You're t- I'm learning while you're learning. I yeah. mean, seriously, I, I I just am. I'm I'm very very this 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 path I'm on to hit these hundred books. Every minute counts. Every minute counts. So every word counts right now. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Ken, what a powerful episode. I, I appreciate you coming on. And I, I want to give you an opportunity before we jet off to let our listeners know where you're at. Where can they find you? Where can they find more information? I know there's a bunch of stuff, right? The umbrella. Just do scene. one. Okay, we'll make so it simple. Make it simple the, for them. Exactly. The keepsmilingmovement.com or keep smiling on uh, Facebook. And if you are interested in the template, it's a great exercise. If you want to submit it for possibly being scholarship or you want to make a donation to the Keep Smiling Movement and have us you know, make your story a book, we will do that. And the cool thing is we are mailing 100 books to the talk shows. And those talk shows are like Ellen and Oprah. So whatever talk shows are the primo, we're going to send a cover letter that says, hey, you want a show that inspires the world? These are unsung heroes that every single day of their life, they're making a difference and you could amplify their goodness. So I'm going to, I'm going to tell those shows that this is the message they want for the world. FYI lit is going in there. So like, you know, just if you think this guy's bullshitting you, he's not, I've like vetted the shit out of him. Trust me. I've done that. (laughs) And it's pretty cool stuff. So I just, I'm floored by the keep smiling movement. I think it's such a great, great, great idea, but I also think it goes far beyond an idea. It, it, it speaks to a universal, you know, truth, a principle. And, and that. I'll tell you the thing I wasn't predicting. I know we might be out of time, so I'll be very brief is that when I caused the keep smiling movement, it was a card that was handed to me by Barry Shore and he handed it to me. And I knew that minute that that was my card, my message, my calling. And I said some very quick questions. Do you, ha- do you take pictures? Do you have a safe social media page? And he had none of this stuff. And I said, I think you are the person that give, gave me the card that will change my life, but I'm going to be the guy that ch- caused the card to be a movement. Well, what I didn't know is that other people would say, if he can create a movement, I can too. And so they started making their cards. And one of the people that's doing a book with us, Megan Fenyo, she has a card that's in purple and says, I am enough. And she says, you know, are you mad? that I'm just taking your idea and running with my own thing. I said, no, I'm absolutely ecstatic because I'm enough is a great message. And if the key smiling movement can back it or help propel it further, that's a great message to stand behind. So I've had five other people that have come up with messages that they put on cards or that just want to create a movement. And they're using this ideology that it's possible. The world needs inspiration right now. It needs a lot of inspiration. But the thing is, you can be that inspiration. It's a choice. I'm just going to let that sit for a second, guys. Think about that, right? The world needs a lot of inspiration. You're seeing it. Everybody's seeing it. It's, there's, there's, there's no avoiding it. So be the inspiration. Be that leader. Drop the fear. Change your perspective. Have patience and be persistent. Create a movement. And that movement starts with you, right? It doesn't start anywhere else. So let's create that movement. You've got the Keep Smiling movement. You can access for, you know, if, if 20 bucks is too much, you got it for free. Facebook, go do it. A web page, you know, you got lit. You've got other resources. You've got YouTube channels. You've got things to get you going. All you got to do is take that action. So make that choice today to keep taking actions that are going to help you create impact 
that you do need to create. Ken, thank you so much. I'll tell one action that they can take. One action that's simple is share, share your broadcast because that inspires more people. And I, and I think that a lot of people, when they hear it, they don't know that that's so powerful just to hit the share button. It's true. And I didn't even pay this fucker to say that either. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> legit. I'm not paying him to do any of this stuff. He's just dropping it everywhere. Hey, I'll, I only said it so you drop another F-bomb. Ah, I love it. <laughs> he loves it. Legit, though. You share this. You leave a rating. You send, you know. People are going to be able to see this because iTunes is going to put it up there because it's going to make its way up the list of 700,000 podcasts. You know what I mean? Like that's the thing. And when you do that, other people get a chance to hear it. And so this is my obvious uh, promo at this point that was never supposed to happen, but it's, it's happening. And the point is that when you find something that works, share it because someone else well, needs it. This is a full circle comment. I shared it and I'm on the show. I know. It's crazy. If I hadn't shared it, there's no way. There's absolutely no way. If I hadn't shared it and communicated how your show touched me and how I could make it touch other people, how how would we have talked? We wouldn't because where are you? (laughs) You didn't answer my question. Where are you coming from? Where are you at? (laughs) I'm in D.C. Yeah. Washington, D.C. I'm not even in, I've never even been to DC. I've never been to DC. There's no way we would have connected our social. Yeah. And and Ashley's in Texas. I mean, it's like. (laughs) Ashley was a wildfire. That one, that one yeah. was a special one. That came out of nowhere. So, you know, you never know that that whole, the internet changes everything at the end of the day and creates connection like that, right? Like you can connect with people like that. And so if you know that, if you know technology to have that power, if you've got access at your fingertips to create change, then what's stopping you, right? What's stopping you? Ken, Thank you so much for being on the show today. What a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all your wisdom. Love you, Ravi. Love you too, man. And you guys, thank you for listening to another episode. But more importantly, thank you for taking the action that you do, right? Listening to the show is not just, oh, let me pass my time. It's you creating the new wiring upstairs, right? You're creating a new program every time you listen. And every time you listen, I know you're thinking. There's no fucking way around it, right? You're thinking. And when you're thinking, you're doing something a little bit different. And that's the most important part. So create your change. You've heard it. It's possible. And anybody can do it. And so you are the leader. Two people have told you so. So move on. Do your thing. Go and lead. Thank you for listening to this episode of Lit. I am so grateful to have you as an audience member. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to hit subscribe and leave your review. For more resources, tips, and tools, head over to www.ravitour.co. I'll be back with another episode next week. But until then, stay 